Oh, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the 209 Till Infinity Podcast. CD Slap. Coming to you live from beautiful Series, California, home of the Infinity Studios. Get it, Savage. It's Monday morning, the pod is dropped. Cue up the new soap and the coffee pot. You know these cats got a lot to say. Savage O'Malley and Billy A. Yep. Hip hop life and movies too. Keeping up on the trends just like you. CD slaps hooked up with this funky beat. Oh, you know the boys, we love to eat. Grub it. It's all part of the show. We love to bring to your earbuds hell. We even sing. Mm-hmm. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. And like Biggie said, now you know Do you need a break and escape just to ease your mind? Well look no further than your homies in the 209 Because it's time to lose all those blues that got you stressed out Give us one hour and you know we'll knock that mess out The best route is music, movies, laughter, and friends The conversation's starting, y'all jump on Come in on. And you know it won't stop, you know it don't end That's why we call it 209 till infinity, my friend The party don't stop, the party don't end That's why we call it 209 till infinity, my friend The party don't stop, the party don't end That's why we call it 209 till infinity, friend. The party don't stop, the party don't end. Now let's let the episode begin. What up, what up, what up, and welcome to another episode of the 209 till infinity podcast. As always, it's your boy, DJ Billy A. And across the way from me is the man, the myth, the legend. If you don't know who he is, you better get to step in. Get up on your mic and tell him who you am, my friend. Yes, sir. Uh. It's your boy, <laughs> Savvy Davis Jr., aka Big Skis, aka Drillbit, aka the Oracle, aka mm. Big Nasty. Yes. SK, SKA, Scott known as Big Skis. <laughs> SKA, yeah. Scott known as. Scott known as. I Actually, like I that. messed that up, but then I cleaned it up real quick. Yeah, you liked it. You're thinking on your feet there. We yeah. could just, from now on, it could just be SKA. Yeah. SKA. Savage SK- known as. Yeah, yeah, you just have to, that from now on, that should just be what it is. Fuck AKA. We're, we're on to SKA. Let's let's just brand. That's that new new. Let's brand everything. <laughs> Fuck it, dude. Yeah, that should be on a t-shirt. Hey. Whatever I can do to make our 11 listeners happy, that's, that's the least exactly I can do. Right, 100%. We're here for you. Hey, people. listen, I know that sometimes I say, hey, we're going to talk about this or next. Right. I'm going to jump right in. I'm not going to yeah. leave you guys hanging. Okay. Last week, I told you that I watched and I streamed a show and I watched the entire season uh-huh. and I loved it. Okay. And I wanted to tell you guys about it. So sure. If you have access to it and you can watch it, I want you to do it. Mm. Uh, especially if you like the type of stuff that I like. I watched the Tulsa King. Oh yeah, with yeah. Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone, yeah, on Paramount, and it yeah. was fantastic. I've heard good things. I absolutely enjoyed it. It was fun. It was entertaining. It wasn't like it, it was. If you watch mafia movies and you right. watch the way things are now, you're gonna thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I know everybody doesn't have access to Paramount. If you do have access and you haven't watched it, definitely check it out. Uh, you can also try Paramount for free if you want to go try it out. You can watch Tulsa King. You could always watch The Mayor of Kingstown, which we've talked about was a phenomenal show too. Season two of that is out. Yeah. I'm just starting that as well. Uh, Tulsa King. Here's how good Tulsa King was. Now, what was the season two of what did you say again? Mayor of Kingstown. Mayor of Kingstown. Now that's the one with... Uh, Jeremy Snowplow Renner. Yes, he's he's recovering, but that snowplow accident, I didn't realize, I watched an interview with him, I don't know if it was 60 Minutes mm-hmm. or whatever, where I, apparently he saved a nephew or yeah. a cousin, a nephew, was it his nephew? Yeah. Was about to be hurt by the snowplow and he threw him out of the way and he was taken out by it, but he's like apparently lucky to be alive, like yeah. he's rehabbing and learning to walk and so I was wondering if that show was going to carry on, The Mayor of Kingstown. That was already two. I haven't watched two. I don't know if there was a plan for season three. But, okay. So okay. I, I I, I, okay. Gotcha. I was just curious about that. But anyway, The Tulsa King, I have heard nothing but good things about 
The trailers look amazing. I just don't have Paramount Plus, and it's unfortunate. I would watch that show, but right now I, I can't afford another streamer. On you know, I can't. I just can't do it. I can't spend another fourteen or fifteen or whatever nine a month. Right now, um, I'm at my limit. Let me say this: Tulsa King is an American crime drama television series created by Taylor Sheridan with Taryn's Winter show running for Paramount Plus. The series stars Sylvester Stallone, make, marking his first leading role in a scripted television series. Stallone plays a mafia capo who just got out of prison and is sent to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he begins to set up a criminal organization. So, uh, basically, uh, without ruining too much, he was a mafia guy, went to prison for 25 years. Yes. Kept his mouth shut, got out, and right. in 25 years, a lot changes. Right. Oh, correct. Yeah. Right? And he got out, like, right now, in this era. Right. And can you imagine? So, that means you went to prison and what? 1995 right yeah essentially 96 can you yeah. imagine like the world difference we just talked about yeah. how much the world changed in 28 years just watching movies all right. the little things right we yeah when you're locked up that's a whole different lifestyle so the first couple episodes is him reacclimating to society being right. a former mafia capo right it's just very good and interesting and and, and hilarious and exciting and and it's very good i highly recommend it um there's a couple times where stallone is stallone yeah you know sure and, you know and he's sure the way he talks and the way he does things right yeah where you're like mm. but for the most part dude it's phenomenal i highly recommend it definitely check it out um i've seen a couple of trailers and i'm like this dude is 76 years old and i would kill to look like he does for one thing he's in phenomenal shape and I don't care. There are people that'll be like, oh, well, yeah, he's doing steroids or whoop de whoop de whoop whatever. Okay. I do all the steroids in the world and I'm not going to look like that, right, dude, because right. there's a, there's a, there's a certain amount of dedication and drive at 76 years old that it takes. Just shooting up with steroids doesn't get you to look the way he looks at 76 years old. He's putting in the work. Mm -hmm. Because if I shoot up with steroids, but then continue to eat Reese's peanut butter cups, tortilla chips and tacos, I'm just going to be shooting up steroids and be a fat guy still. Like, you've got to have the drive and the dedication to put in the work. And I'm watching these scenes, and I know that he strives to do as much of his own action as he can. And I'm seeing scenes where he is kicking dudes' asses, man. And I'm just like, and most of the time you watch something like that, and when an old guy does that in a movie, you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm so sure the 80-year-old guy's kicking the 40-year-old guy's ass. The clips I saw... I believed he was whooping their asses. Like he just looks badass. Like, and especially now that he's older with the like gray in his hair. And I think he's got like a goatee or something like that. He just looks mean and everything I saw, like he's back and he like expects the, the clips I saw. And you tell me if I'm wrong from the episodes you've seen. It looks like he did his time. He didn't rat him out. He didn't roll over. And now he's coming out and he's demanding a place and demanding some respect, but they're not wanting to give it to him. And so he's starting to kick ass and take names. Uh, so basically he comes out of prison and his basically, I don't know, best friend, old mafia boss, whatever. Right. Is like, he's on like breathing tubes, right? So that dude's son is now running the show, running the show. And he's got his own little young capos and they're younger, right? And they don't do things necessarily the old school way. So those guys are button heads. Uh, but because of that guy's dad and the relationship and that guy went, right? Yeah. His name's Dwight. So they, the, the older guy that's like on his deathbed is like, give Dwight, you know, that's Dwight. Look what he did for the family. Like he keeps defending him. Right. And, the, and his, and then that guy's son and the other guys are like, let's fucking walk him off. Let's get it. You know what I mean? Let's, let's kill him. Da, da, da. This is bullshit. This is, you know, this is a new era, whatever. Right. Yeah. So they, they basically, you know, banish him to Tulsa. Okay. Okay. Got right? you. Got you. Yeah. But he's still built on ethics and this is how you do things. So he goes out there and he starts earning. Right. Okay. Okay. In Tulsa. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in Oklahoma. And he makes it yeah. work. Yeah. Okay. And then they're like, fuck, he's making it work. He keeps sending in money. And it, it, it just, you know, I think it's nine or 10 episodes of the, of in their, you know, 42 minutes, 45 minutes, sure. whatever. Sure. Of basically that transition. And it's, it's just very entertaining. It's super good. 
Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, here's how good it was. I would come home yeah. and want to watch that. A couple times I came home and I wanted to watch the next episode, next episode of that. Uh-huh. And I would not get to the Mandalorian until like uh, Friday. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I was so invested in this show. It was so good. And we just talked about how great the Mandalorian was. Right. And I was just totally into yeah, it. Yeah. When the f- season three first started and I said, hey, I just watched the Mandalorian the new episode. It was good. And you were like, I couldn't wait. I watched it at my desk at my office at work. I like put it on on my laptop at work and watched it because you were that excited. So if you're telling me that you watched the Tulsa King before you watched the Mandalorian, that that's huge. It was so that good. Tells I you really enjoyed it, man. Yeah. Uh, Tulsa King has already been approved and uh, signed off for season two. So I'm super excited to see where this goes. Again, Paramount Plus. I realize nobody, not everybody has that. Yeah. If you do have it. I hope you check that out. If you have checked it out, let me know. Let us know what you think. Also, we've talked about the mayor of Kingstown, how season one was phenomenal. Season two is out. I'm going to catch up on that now that Mandalorian's over. Um, So I'm definitely going to peep that out. I want to get that done in the next month or so. uh, uh, In uh, two days from recording, I'll already be back by the time you hear this. I'm flying Hawaii. That's right. So I'm going to download a little Paramount Plus yeah. Mayor of Kingstown onto my cellular device. Cellular. Or I might do some ah- Ahsoka. Yeah, dude. That's it. That's what's up. You got options. You got <laughs> a lot of options. I got op- balancing options, baby. That's the one thing with TV right now is uh, there's no lack of television programming out there like between all these different streaming platforms now. Like if you say like, yeah, there's nothing to watch or I can't find a show. You just ain't fucking trying because I just, for me, it's overwhelming. Like just between, I have now Peacock, I have Apple Plus, I have Netflix, and I have Hulu. Right. And it it isn't that I can't find something to watch. It's just, I don't know where to begin half the time. So I find that I'm sticking to my four or five shows that I really like and watching them. And then uh, sometimes picking up an older show. I just started watching Modern Family. And I, uh, that show is hilarious. And I don't know where I was, what was going on in my life when that show had its initial run. I think it was on NBC. But that's the one with Ed O'Neill and Sofia Viraga. And they're all related. And you follow the three different families and their lives. And it's got like an office style feel to it. Hilarious, dude. And, 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 and Amber's just like, you know, I've heard good things about this. If you can't figure out what you want to watch, are you cool with me putting this on? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, put it on. I don't care. Next thing I know, now we're you know almost done with season one. And I'm like loving it. Like, when are we watching the next Modern Family? And this show's probably been off the air for five years. You know what I mean? But it's it's great. And it's one of those shows where I was like, what? Where was I when this was on? This is original, creative, funny, well-written. You name it. The show's, the show's phenomenal. Did you ever catch any episodes of that? Let me ask you something, buddy. Mm-hmm. Tell me mm-hmm. you can't find anything to watch on TV. Well, Savage, I'm really having a problem. I can't find one damn show to watch on TV right now. 30. 30 seconds. I'm on right now. I don't believe you. <laughs> you don't believe it? You not believe, believe me? It. Yeah. No, there really is no shortage of television right now. And that's the beauty of streaming, too. If you miss the show, no problems. It's out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Modern Family is on Peacock because that was an NBC show. So I am now watching that. Uh, but, yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's a good time to be alive if you like quality television programming. Because what's happening is they're vying for your streaming money. They want you to sign up for their app. So the app with the most shows and the best shows seems to win. So, you know, Apple Plus has... Ted Lasso, which is amazing. But then I got hooked on the show Shrinking with Harrison Ford, uh, an incredible show about uh, psychologists and what they're going through in their lives. And so right now it's Apple Plus, but then, you know, Netflix has Cobra Kai. And it's like, who's going to have the show that hooks you in and makes you have to watch and makes you have to give them your money? And that's really what it boils down to, man. But Tulsa King is one, like, I saw that trailer and I was just like, dude, I God, I can't do another channel right now. But fuck, that looks really good, man. Uh, and I'm 
you know, Stallone was our guy from when we were kids. I mean, Rocky, Rambo. I just love the fact to see him. Everybody's like, you know, Stallone has managed. How did he do it? He managed to stay relevant for so long. Like, he's 76 years old. He stayed relevant. But think about what he had to do to stay relevant, right? He had to give us 10 Rockies and five Rambos. You know, the only way he's managed to keep himself in the public eye is by going back to the well. There hasn't been a lot of original material from Stallone where people are like, oh, did you see that new Stallone movie? Yeah, the one that's not Rocky or Rambo? That was phenomenal. When was the last time you said that? Right. Yeah, you, you, you haven't. The Demolition Man? I know it was Not where he was an independent like lead. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, side things. But like, way, like he was in The Expendables. Those movies, yeah. But there's that, like six guys. And that those movies all rely, The Expendables all rely on nostalgia. His, his genius, and those movies are genius because his idea in those was like, let's take every 80s action hero that isn't having a good career right now. And he even admitted in an interview, he's like, look, my career wasn't doing great. Van Damme's career wasn't doing great. Lundgren's wasn't doing great. Let's take all these guys that have their own kind of strong fan bases and throw them all in one movie. And those movies kicked ass because of that. Like, it was a really genius idea. But, like, I mean, you think about, like, the movies he's done outside of the Rocky world. Like, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Right. Oscar. Like, dude, he's made some uh, Judge Dredd, some like terrible choices and bad movies like that people aren't checking for. Like, I love Demolition Man. That was like 1993 or 94, but that was a great movie. Right. That's really the last Stallone Copland with De Niro. Mm -hmm. Good movie. The critics were hard on that movie, but that's a good movie. That's a really good movie. But uh, there's not a lot from him outside of Rocky, Creed, and Rambo. Like, that. So I'm happy for him that he's actually doing something um, that's getting critical praise and the fans are loving because, dude, he's a legend. He's like an icon. Like, you know, he's just one of those dudes, one of those guys that's been around for so long. He's a part of our lives, like at this point. So, right. hell yeah, dude. That's awesome. I'm glad you're watching that and enjoying it. Um, that's great news. Uh, had a little sad news in my world over the last few weeks. You can see here that I, I came today rocking my Oakland A's hat. Yes. Uh, they made the official announcement that they will be leaving. And as a lot of people expected, uh, we'll be going to Las Vegas. I heard rumors of Nashville. I also heard rumors that they'd be going to Portland. But they made the official announcement that uh, because they could not get a new stadium, that the city of Oakland and the A's franchise were not able to work it out and get a new stadium done that they are leaving for Las Vegas. Leaving for Las Vegas. It's a movie. It's now uh -huh. where my franchise is going. So um, this has been like 20 plus years in the making. I think everyone knew this day was coming. But because it's been so long and talked about for so long and kicked around for so long and threatened for so long, even though we knew it was kind of inevitable, it still didn't ever seem like it was really actually going to happen. Uh, so when I saw the news, I was surprised and yet not at the same time. Uh, and I got to be honest with you, the first thought that went through my mind was, shit, what the fuck am I going to do with all these ace hats? <laughs> I've got like six ace hats. Uh, I've been a fan since, you know, I, I think I first started following the A's when I was like eight or nine years old when I watched a documentary about the Oakland A's team in the 70s that won back to back to back. They won three World Series in the 70s with, you know, uh, Catfish Hunter and uh, Reggie Jackson and, you know, that era, Raleigh Fingers, like uh, that era of the A's. There was this documentary about those players and what they did. And I just remember as a young kid, even though I grew up with a grandmother and a father who were and an uncle who were diehard Dodgers fans, grew up in Southern California. Um, I grew up hearing stories about Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax and the legendary Tommy Lasorda, Fernando Valenzuela. But as a kid, something drew me. I never lived in Southern California. So as a kid, there was just something about the A's that attracted me. So I came to them on my own as a young man. I think a lot of boys, young boys, follow the sports franchises of their father. Not my kids, they don't. But a lot of boys do, I think. You you, you, you root for the team that you've known and been around your whole life uh -huh. or who your parents root for. So, But I came to the A's on my own. So 
I'm kind of in this weird dilemma now of what do I do? I love baseball. I absolutely love baseball. It's my favorite. I don't say it's my favorite sport to watch live, but I can't. I don't think there's any feeling of being at the ballpark. You and I have already talked about it. There's just something about being there and having a hot dog and hearing the popcorn guy yell and watching the fans do the wave and cheering on, cheering on your team, man. I, uh, uh, it hurts, man, to know that. And then I didn't get to a lot of games, but you know, since I was eight or nine, I'm now 48 years old. So you're talking about 40 years. That was my team, man. Right. And I can't. I got no ties to Vegas. I got no family in Vegas. I've been to Vegas once. Uh, wasn't it was super expensive and very touristy. Can't see myself going there on a regular basis. Would like to go back, but it, it, for me, it's not something a place I would go to like yearly. Like it's not going to be a pilgrimage. So I'm really at this crossroads now. I I, I love baseball. I don't want to completely tune out on baseball. But I don't know what I do now. I, I really don't. Do I just bite the bullet because I'm an A's fan and just be a Las Vegas A's fan? Do I pick a new team? I, I don't know. I like so. What? Let me let me turn the tables. What does a? Let's say we're in an alternate universe. We love Marvel, right? So we're in an alternate universe where the Giants never left Candlestick. The Giants organization demands a new stadium. San Francisco won't give it to them. So the Giants announce, you know what? We're out of here. We can't do this. We're going to go to Las Vegas. You as a lifelong San Francisco Giants fan, who you grew up sharing that love with your father. It's the, your father. Do you follow the franchise because of that? Or what do you do, man? Like, I don't know. Like, I really am literally like curious of your thoughts on this. <sighs> well, sir, let me scroll you back. Uh-huh. To 1992. Okay. Bob Lurie and the rest of the ownership came to an agreement to sell the team for $115 million mm -hmm. to a group from Tampa. Mm -hmm. The Giants almost moved to St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh, I never knew that. That's interesting. I had no idea. And In 92, you said? 92. Wow. I didn't know that. For the 93 season. Mm. And they were going. Yeah. And... You know, at that point, I was 92 as a sophomore in high yeah, school. Yeah, we were in high school. I graduated um, in 93, so yeah. Um, so I, I've, I've lived that a little bit. And then on top of that, I lived that not too long ago with the Kings. Well, yeah, we, we all rolled with that one. Yeah, you know, that was tough. So, so for, for me, I would tell you this, is that uh, I had already decided, like, if the Kings left... Yeah. I was not going to support them any longer. Right. At least publicly. Right. As long as those owners were still in, you know, in the because picture. the city had done everything they could to keep the team there. Right. And the owners just wanted to let go because Vegas is money. Right. And it, they don't care about the people at all. Right. The Las Vegas Raiders did it. Right. The city was willing to... The city has a plan. They have money. They have... They don't want it. They don't want to be in Oakland. Right. Right. They don't care about the A's. Right. They don't care about the city. They don't care about the fans. Right. Okay. Yeah, because everything I heard was that they had a plan for like... They were going to do a waterfront stadium on the water. And there was this plan in place and they were working on it. But it just never got done. Like, you know, they wanted to do something similar to what San Francisco did, how they put the the stadium right by the water in the heart of town. Oakland had a plan to do something similar to that, but they just couldn't. I don't know if it was the funds. It got tied up in politics. I don't know. For the last 20 some odd years, they just couldn't get it done, whatever it was. But it sounds like what you're saying is they just wanted out regardless. Like they weren't willing to work. They, they just wanted Vegas, it sounds like. So, it's not necessarily done yet. They do have an agreement to move to Las Vegas. They don't have the funding yet. They don't have anything. You got to remember, too, and I don't know if it's the same or if it's different. Right. But in with the Kings, right, they had an agreement. Yeah. They were gone. They were going to Seattle. They right. had funding. They had everything. Yeah. They thought it was, the. they said they're on the one-yard line. 
Right. 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 But that doesn't mean you scored. Right. And Kevin Johnson, you know, bless this dude, despite what you think about him, about the rumors or whatever, for yeah, sexual yeah. assault in right. college or whatever. There was happened, a lot of that going around. When which he's- is the reason there's this amazing 30 for 30 about the Kings and keeping the team in in uh, well, Sacramento. I haven't, I haven't seen that one. They, did, they I, didn't release it. Oh, they didn't. Because of Kevin Johnson. <sighs> because... They don't. The Kings aren't here without Kevin Johnson. No, there should literally be a Kevin Johnson statue outside of Golden One. There yeah. is no Kings without Kevin Johnson. No, the, we and, at an NBA mayor that saved our asses. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he put in that work. And, and this is a guy who's you know from Sacramento. Yeah, who from Oak Park, one of the yeah. toughest places in Sacramento. Oh yeah, right. Grew up, went to Cal Berkeley, right. Got his heart broken when the Kings passed him over. Yeah. Went to Phoenix and became a legendary all-star NBA point guard. He was a phenomenal point guard. And then after his career was over, came back to the place that he calls home and ran for mayor. Yeah. Ran for mayor, won, and then started doing what he could to fix his city. Right. Yeah. And then when when all this stuff was going on, he saved the Kings. They don't save them without... The, the Kings are not here without Kevin no, Johnson. No, huge part. Huge, integral part of the process. So, sure. it's not over because the league, the MLB has to be like, okay, you can go. They yeah. have to approve it. Right. Even though they have a, an agreement to sell the team. Yeah. And I don't know, man. Like, if Oakland really does have a potential for a stadium and to keep the a's in oakland the league yeah. might step in i don't know if it's dead dead they yet. might yeah i just because feel... you got because you got to remember yeah right david stern stepped in and said no yeah yeah that's true because it's been like i just feel like if we couldn't get a new stadium done in the last 25 30 years because this is not something that just happened last week or even in the last six months or the last five years they've been demanding a new stadium for like as long as I can fucking remember, like, I mean, and clearly there's something going on in Oakland because they couldn't do it for the Warriors. They wouldn't do it for the Raiders. And now here we are with all that's left is the A's. And it just kind of, because we've already, because they already lost Golden State, because they already lost the Raiders, it feels a little bit inevitable because of that. Like that Oakland wasn't willing to do what it took to keep those other two franchises. I mean, and you got to think with the Warriors, three-time champions, you know, like you couldn't keep them around. You weren't willing to foot the bill or, or do what it takes to get it done. So it kind of feels like... I don't know if, if after all these years, if they couldn't get it done, I don't see it happening, but I, I hope you're right. I hope that something does. Maybe this is the spark that, that makes people realize, oh shit, this is real. We better do something and do it now because I don't know what happens to the city of Oakland. Like this is a death blow to the city of Oakland that needs something. If there's a town that needs a sports team, I feel like Oakland needs this. Like to have now those empty stadiums with no reason to go there. Like it's crazy to me, but yeah, like I, I just been racking my brain. Like, what do I do? Like, what am I going to do? Cause I love baseball. I love watching baseball. I love, I shared baseball memories with my father and then I passed it on and I've had amazing memories with going to the games with my sons and watching my sons play little league. I just love baseball. But if the A's move to Vegas, I can't see myself being a Las Vegas A's fan. So then I'm left with, okay, what do I do? Like, I thought maybe the Anaheim Angels, because, you know, that makes sense. My daughter graduated from UC Irvine. She lives out there. I've got two cousins, excuse me, three cousins and an aunt that still live out there. My parents came from Southern California. So there's a part of me that's like, all right, I'll be an Anaheim Angels fan. Out of respect for my father and out of respect for my friends here i could never be a san francisco giants fan but i can also never be a los angeles dodgers fan because i respect my hardcore san francisco giants fans friends too much but i also respect my family that loves the dodgers so i'm like in this weird because there's a part of me that's like look that's my dad's team i got memories of sitting in my grandmother's uh mobile home in rancho cordova as a little boy and laughing while she yelled at the TV. I thought my grandma was Adams was the best thing ever. Like I loved her so much. And I got memories of laughing 
while she's yelling at the TV for her Dodgers to win. You know, like, oh, like yelling at the refs because they made a bad call or that was a strike and so much passion for the Dodgers that there's a part of me that's like, yo, out of respect, that's where I go because that's who I, what I grew up. Like, if I can't be an A's fan, I got to be a Dodgers fan. But that doesn't feel right. Then there's another half of me that's like, well, look, dude, just jump across the bay. You are an Oakland fan. Go across the bay to the Giants. That doesn't feel right either. So that leaves me with the Anaheim Angels. It stays in the American League, right? It keeps me in the American League, keeps me in California, and keeps me somewhat with where my family came from. So that's kind of what I'm leaning towards now, if they go. But I like your scenario. I like the fact. I like you. I like your positive that it ain't over till it's over. Hey man. Yeah. Ain't nobody singing yet. That's right. So I like that. So let's keep that hope alive because uh, being an Anaheim Angels fan don't excite me that much. <laughs> like it's tough. You've been with one team for forty years. It's tough to just go. Okay, now I like these guys. That's hard to do, man. I, I I've never done it. Like I, it's weird. Well, I already know like this. If had the Kings left, like my I would have soured on basketball. Yeah, again, that's a great point because I, I couldn't have seen myself being a. They were going to be the. It was the Seattle Kings, right? They were moving to Seattle, so yeah, being a Seattle Kings fan, or being a, a switching to Golden State wouldn't have felt right either. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, absolutely. So it's a tough position I'm in right now. The only thing I can hope is that people, the fans, maybe start showing up to the games because they think, oh, hey, this is our it, last chance. Nah, it's it's the thing is this, dude. It's not it's not about the fans. When when this team took over, mm. when this ownership took over, they were averaging twenty seven thousand a game. Okay. But when you continue to, I mean, this the A's. What the A's are doing is essentially what happened in Major League. Right. They're the tanking guy died. on purpose to get out. Yeah. 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 Not the guy dying, but like they're right. They're, they're, they sell off everything. Just constant minor leaguers. Let's just you know run this thing into the ground. Why would I wouldn't. I wouldn't be an A's fan. I would right. be pissed to be an A's fan. There's why yeah. everything that's good you get rid of. Right. No, it's true. We're the we're the major league, minor league filler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get these guys good, we groom them, and then they go off and play for somebody else. Yeah. Well, Matt Olson's a stud. Let's trade him to the Braves. Yeah, I know it's been going on for years. That's why it feels a bit inevitable. But like you said, never say never. You know, we don't know. That's true. That's a good point. I guess I'll cross that bridge when I come to it and worry about uh, what, I, what I'm doing then. But I will say I did go online and start looking at Angel's hats just to see what's out there. <laughs> I will tell you this, bro. Yeah. yeah. It ain't over till it's over. And? Mm-hmm. That would be the transition music. Yes, friend. sir. We're going to transition into a new uh, topic. Uh, as we stated, um, you let the people know that outside of the sports world, outside of the Sacramento Kings, you attended event, an event, excuse me, not just attended event, an event mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. the Golden One Center that uh, was uh, pretty amazing. And you wanted to tell us what that event was. What did you do at the Golden One Center? Now we're recording this. It's the 7th today. Today's the seventh, correct. So you attended this event last night, May sixth. That's correct. Sir. So this is still incredibly fresh in your mind. Tell the people who you saw at the Golden One Center, my friend. So I went and uh, me and the lady, we went to see uh, Joe Coy mm. on his world tour. World tour. Sacramento. Um, yes. If you are not familiar with Joe Coy or his comedy, I would like to know uh, what rock have where, you been hiding what, under. What yeah. rock? Yeah. Where'd you get your rock and how long you've been under there? Yeah, absolutely. To, to quote the great Tommy Boy, uh, unless you've been living on a mountain and you don't know how to work a seatbelt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. Um, yeah, Joe's the man. He's huge. So, you know, and this is one of those guys like, uh, like most comedians, um, you know, they got to start small and they got to pay their dues and they got to be in comedy clubs and help pick up chairs and sweep. And yeah. you know, that's how you work pay your dues. Work the door. Yeah, you yeah. work the door and that's how you, that's how you get your way. And then, you know, you hopefully you find a niche and, and, uh, you know, Joe Coy, uh, his niche, uh, is, you know, he's Filipino. Right. So he got his break by, you know, pretty much making fun of his mom and his Filipino's yes. culture. And, and yeah. that, you know, 
it, he's hilarious and so funny. If you've spent any time around Filipinos, the, the accuracy is spot on. Right. Um, and uh, I've, I've I've spent some time around the Filipino community, so uh, he I've always I've always really liked his stuff. Um, and uh, Kim is half Filipino. Mm. Her mom is from the Philippines. Uh, so uh, you know. It was a, it was a nice transition for us to go do it, and uh, I got the option to buy the tickets early. I've had them for I don't know six months. Yeah, because of being a Golden One uh, season ticket holder uh, for the Kings, I got a chance to pre-order those bad boys. So, uh, to be honest, I forgot about them. Yeah, you had those tickets. You told me about that long ass time ago. Like, I got the tickets for uh, Chris Rock. After you got the Joe Coy, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, after you got the Joe Coy tickets, and I've already been to see Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. That was like three months ago, right, <laughs> like right. over. You're still waiting on the Joe Coy show. Right, and, and then I got so wrapped up in the Kings that I forgot right. about the oh, tickets. And 100%. I, and, and, and then, yeah. And then I got a notification be like, what to know about your upcoming Joe Coy? And I was like, oh, shit. That's, that's right. That's still weeks. happening. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, dude, if the... If the Kings win and they go into that next round, what happens with those shows? Like, what if does the NBA take precedent? That's a good question. Yeah, like I didn't know. Like, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, like what if the Kings had won and they were supposed to play at home on Saturday? Well, he just recently announced, like in the last four or five days, that he added a second show because Today. this one sold. It's tonight. Yeah, yeah sold out so quickly. But my guess would be he couldn't do that until he knew what was happening with the Kings. They. Probably his original show that he probably had booked way before they knew they were going to make the playoffs, I would imagine takes precedence. Right. But that second show that he booked, he had to wait till he knew the Kings were out because he literally just announced, hey, Sacramento, you guys are the shit. Thank you so much for selling out Golden One Center. Guess what? Second show. And that's insane because I was telling my wife, I went, we are in this period where comedians are absolutely just running the world right now. Like, like comedy ha is, is more popular now than I think it's ever been. It used to be when you were a comedian, your goal was to get on Carson. If you got to perform on Carson, then you might at that point be able to play some bigger clubs and some bigger venues. And then if you played those bigger clubs and bigger venues, you might get noticed by a um, television network and they give you a sitcom. Right. That was the stand-up comedian route. That was the only way to be successful for so many years. And then if you get the sitcom, then maybe from the sitcom you do movies, but you don't go back to stand-up usually after that. Like, I mean, think about like Jerry Seinfeld, Ray Romano, uh, Tim Allen, Joe Rogan, all at one time or another had sitcoms and television shows that kind of came from being popular stand-up comedians at the clubs some tv producer sees them in the club picks them out puts them on a show and from there they just go but those comedians now jerry seinfeld still does stand up but like tim allen a lot of these guys would then go on to make movies and then you wouldn't see them anymore do stand-up like eddie murphy is a great example of that he got saturday night live from a stand-up went into movies and then became a megastar and never came back but now with the invention of uh, social media and with the invention of podcasting and with all these different streaming networks that are buying up all these stand-up comedy specials, there are more comedians now playing arenas that don't have movies, that don't have TV shows, that are straight up just comedians. There's more now than I ever remember. It was a big deal. If a comedian played a fucking arena, that you were you were Eddie Murphy or you were Andrew Dice Clay, you were Martin Lawrence, you were somebody of that caliber to do that. Like not just anybody. Now you got people like uh Burt Kreischer, right. Joe Coy, like there are 20 or 30 comedians that can play arenas now that like uh Gabriel Iglesias. They've gotten TV shows and stuff now, but they could do it strictly based off comedy. We are in like a comedy renaissance right now. So you went to the Golden One Center. Is this your first time ever seeing a comedian in that big of an <clears throat> arena? Yeah, so uh, that's one of the things I was I was saying to to Kim was that I've been to comedy clubs. I've yeah, been to things me too. like that. 
And I had never seen a comedy show in a large venue like that. Mm -hmm. And I could tell you this right now. My number one complaint for that is I spent a ton of money on our tickets. Right. And I kept watching the fucking TV screen. Right. Not the goddamn comedian. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know why, but like I go to a basketball game. I have conditioned myself to watch the court. Right. Not the big screen. Yeah. Absolutely. And I wa- I'm sitting there last night and I kept watching the damn TV. Mm-hmm. And I know it's bigger and I know that, but we were on the floor. We weren't that far back. I was going to say, so you had seats where you could see his facial expressions. And- yeah, we were maybe yeah. with this. So like there's, there's like the stage and then floor one, floor two, floor three, floor yeah. four, four, five, yeah. floor six. We were in floor uh, oh no, one, two, three, four, five, six. So we were in six. Yeah. Okay. Roquet. Okay. Good seats. Yeah. So forty rows back. Yeah. So you're like you, you're close. Yeah. Because yeah, that's the one thing I'll say about comedy is a lot of it is the facial expressions and the energy that they're putting out. And if you're in the nosebleeds, you don't have if you, and you want to laugh, you really don't have a choice but to look at that big screen because it just looks like a little speck walking back and forth, right. you know. But with the seats you had, you could see. But I've done that at concerts, too, dude. I've been at concerts where uh, – and I I am not – I don't go as too many basketball games. I'll catch myself watching the screen and go like, yo, man, the game's right there. Just look down. Like, I have caught myself doing that. Right. Um. So, okay, so your first experience with seeing a comedy, comedy on the big, giant, massive stage. Like yeah, that. first, let me start off, and I posted this on my social medias. <laughs> What a difference a week makes. So that was Saturday. Right. The previous Sunday, I was there for game seven, right? Yeah, the Kings. And, yeah. and it was just a madhouse. Yeah. And the playoffs were a madhouse. Yeah. And this is Joe Coy. Yeah. Sold out. Yeah. Added another show because it sold out. Mm-hmm. And it was like a library compared to right. the yeah, Kings, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. There's like, you know, when the Kings were there, like you saw, like there was thousands of people that weren't at the game just to be there right outside just surrounding Bam, walking around bells, yeah yeah vendors selling hot dogs everywhere just like just it was a party like a tailgate almost 100 like percent like, yeah and it, at doco which is the downtown commons which is where golden one is there's yeah. restaurants and yeah. bars and, and and all these places that's so why just, they put the golden one yeah, center there. yeah. And, and so they could build up this downtown area and yeah. it's just fucking gorgeous and beautiful oh, down yeah. there it's fantastic it's where and, that arena should have been from day one i don't know why they didn't put it there originally well they got a real good deal on some cow yeah. pasture out yeah Right. right out there in the Tomers. Oh, I bet. I'll tell you what. Hey, we already named the road Arena Way, so yeah, fuck, guy might as well build the arena. That's right. You got to put it there, Bobby. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's why we built that shit over there on Hospital Lane. Yeah. <laughs> I know where the hospital's gone. That's right. Shit. <laughs> exactly. Shit. Shit. So uh, we're walking up, right? And like the show starts at 8. We were running a little behind, and we're like, he ain't going to go on right-o-matic, uh, right away right. on a world tour. So we probably have an opener. We don't have to rush and be, you know, killing ourselves to get there. Right. So we got there about 8.20. Uh-huh. They got stuff blocked off. There's nobody there. Right. Maybe there's still people kind of filtering in, but not that much. I ended up talking to the security guard for about five, six minutes because I was wearing my king's hat. We were talking about the king. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we walk in, a couple people in line for, you know, concessions. I walked right into the bathroom. Okay. Literally. Wow. Packed house, but yeah, like, yeah. there was just, you know. Everybody was already in their seats and in it was quiet it when was you quiet, got there. Yeah, like, yeah. Everyone's just, you know what I mean? It's just such a different atmosphere. And uh, it was, the other thing was this, I'll, I'll tell you this. It was so cool. Did you see them at Golden One? Did I see? Yeah. 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 Chappelle and rock. Yeah. It was a golden one center. And and I tell this to to all kinds of people. And Kim was like, this arena is beautiful. And I know it's a spectacular arena. You walk into that golden one in the downtown commons, you forget you're in Sacramento. Yeah. Oh, it's well done. It's beautiful. Absolutely. And and so, uh, you know, so you didn't miss the opener then. Oh, no, he was on while we were there. Oh, okay. Funny. 
Good. Uh, I didn't really listen to him. Oh, okay. I went to the restroom. I got a beer. Got you. And then we had to figure out how to get to the floor because it's not normal. Like you didn't. Uh, it was nobody you recognized the name no, of. Not okay. Mm. This local dude. He was talking about uh, trying to buy some property in the Bay Area, and he got okay. a Vietnamese realtor. Okay. And yeah, yeah. He said uh, the realtor was like, you know, watch out for your jewelry, Julie. Uh, okay, so he was Thank doing Julie. So he was an Asian guy then. Uh, I think he was Hispanic talking yeah. about. Oh, Asian, talking right? about Asians. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, so we got down there and he he talked for another five or ten minutes, and then uh, you know Joe Coy came out and uh, it, I'll be honest, man, I had a really good time. Um, the thing I will tell you about this, and 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 this is, you know, we talk about it with music. We talk about it with. Um, comedy for sure it's what you associate with what you identify with right right joe coy's 50 yeah for the first 20 minutes of his of his fucking show yeah i felt like he was personally attacking me <laughs> but i'm sure like 70 percent of the people in the sure right yeah yeah know? he's like dude fuck getting old sucks yeah right yeah. he's like i just did it in my last special i was at the forum and I was going back and I was watching it because I like to watch my performance and see what how I felt about things and if I did anything wrong. Right. He's like, dude, go back and watch it right now. Like the first five minutes I'm looking, I was like, why the fuck am I walking weird? <laughs> Turns out this dude's got sciatica and he had no idea. Like his leg was acting up, right? So, okay. So he's talking about getting old and like, yeah. you know, just, and, and, and like that shit hits with me. Sure. Like I get it. Like oh, you, yeah. you're not 20 anymore, right? No. You fucking hurt. And. And so, like, it was just hilarious, dude. And then, like, you know, with, with guys in the, especially with Joe Coy, and I don't know, I don't think guys like Chris Rock and Chappelle do this. You know, they really interact with the crowd. Yeah. Right. Though Joe Coy is just like pointing people out and like not ripping on them, but like, you know, like the, there's this guy Mike, I guess. I don't know. They didn't show him on screen because it wasn't a, a special, so they didn't have the camera showing people in the crowd or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess this dude was just like. Had a huge laugh, like he's like he's like just he's like a vibe, yeah. Right, and he's like, "What's your name, man?" He's like, "Mike." He's like, "You're my kind of vibe, dude. You're yeah. making me want to be funny." Because I didn't even say anything yet, and your face is the biggest smile and laugh already, right? So like the entire show, he was like be telling something, going to story, and be like, "You know what I'm talking about, Mike?" And he go <laughs> back to this guy, right, right, yeah. And it, and, and it was just it was just part of being a comedian is knowing how to do your material but part of it's also knowing how to work the crowd yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh it was really good and there was a lot of times where um like the cultural stuff mm -hmm. made kim like cry just at just lose it right and just cry and then that makes it even more funnier for me sure right? sure because she like because this is it, like it, it breeds laughter yeah yeah um so it, it was just it, you know it was really fun and i had a good time and it was you know the thing is is it was such a weird experience for me fresh off the king's games sure because that shit is intense. Yeah. And I'm like, my whole body and like soul was into that shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this was just like kind of chill, go watch a comedy show. Laugh. Right. Yeah. And and like I've been to the comedy clubs and you're chilling and it's quiet and it's a two drink minimum and yeah. it's an intimate environment. Yeah. Right. And this is fourteen thousand people, right? Yeah. Um but uh, no, it was really fun. I had a good time. I enjoyed it. It was it was certainly worth it. It was it was absolutely worth it, just for me. And it was absolutely worth it to see how much she laughed and how much fun she was having. Right. Um. So it was absolutely worth it. Um. The cool thing is, is in his material, you know, is is good, and I definitely resonated with the sure. getting older piece. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. Of course. Um. But, you know, towards the end, you know, he was, there was this like young kid in the front and he's like, how old are you, dude? And he's like 13. He's like, man, nice to meet you, sir. How are you? You know, da, da, da. And he was like, man, I, I didn't, 
You're young, man. Yeah. You know, but you know what? The ticket says are, fuck your dad. Your dad's a fucking bad influence. I don't know what to fucking tell you. He shouldn't have brought you here. Like, right? And everyone's like, yeah! Right? Everybody's laughing, right? And then so then Joe Corey just starts digging in on this fucking dad, right? Yeah. Like, you're just having fun with him. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all in fun. And and uh, it's funny because he asked him, he goes, hey, um, what kind of music you like? He's like, rap? He's like, yeah, yeah. Who, who do you like? He said, uh, "Young Thug." Yeah. And dude, he's and then like Joe Coy just went in on music, right? Yeah. And he was just like, "Dude, you know what, dude?" And he goes and he tells the DJ something, right? And this dude starts playing like '90s R&B. Yeah. And like the crowd just starts singing along and going crazy. Yeah. Right. And like it was really cool. Like he'd done his set, and then like there was this like last 15 minutes or so. Yeah. He was like talking about the difference in music and how music in our era was great. Yeah. And like he was just playing stuff and like no lyrics and the entire crowd was singing it word for word. Crazy. And it was awesome, dude. And he was like, in every song that he pulled up, like people were singing along, like and the DJ would turn the music down and people knew the words and the whole crowd was singing. Right. And uh, it was just a fun way to end the show. Yeah. And uh, he, it was really good. It was very entertaining. I had a great time. Um, I think that Joe Coy is is one of um, one of the. I mean, if you have a world tour and you're selling out Golden One, you're, yeah, yeah, you're not just a guy selling out Golden One twice. Yeah, yeah, that's or I'm assuming it, yeah. it, it's going to be sold out or close to sold out tonight. Right. Yeah, yeah, dude, he's uh, he's a monster. Like, and he's he's known for his crowd work. Like, there are certain comedians that are that's automatic they're going to interact there's going to be a certain part of their set where they interact with people in the crowd and you know that their brain has to just be goes in a thousand miles an hour because they've got their set jokes right that they're telling that they've told every night but while they're telling those jokes they're like radar like okay there's the young guy there's the guy that's laughing really loudly with a great oh there's a there's a an asian guy and a black you know black woman i'm going to talk about that like they have to be so their senses and their timing has to be so perfect because i've watched a couple of koi specials on netflix and he always has a moment where he pulls somebody from the crowd and starts talking to him and i told my wife in the last one we watched like how does he know that's going to pan out when he asks that guy a question and the guy answers the question just right and then it becomes a tangent and part of the show and he has jokes ready to go for it like how did he fucking know like he asked a guy about his age and his health and then they start talking about sleep apnea he's like look he asks his girl like he has sleep apnea and he won't do nothing about it she's like yeah and he's like dude trust me i deal with that you'll die it's serious take care of it and he has this whole bit about sleep apnea and the machine but i told my wife how the fuck did he know that that dude was suffering from possibly sleep apnea his girlfriend ratted him out he's like no i'm healthy and she's like no no he snores like crazy. I think he's got sleep apnea. It's like, dude, and he went into a whole bit. And I think that's just so genius. Like, how do you know? Like, and that just comes from experience. Like I was watching Joe Rogan and Rogan's like, arenas are so different. Like, he's like, you would think it's the same joke. And he's like, but your arena timing is way different than a small club timing. He's like, because you have to give the laughter time. He's like, it doesn't get to you. Like he's like in an arena, it might start in the back and roll up and roll up and then get to you. And you've got to give that crowd time to laugh and get the joke before you move on to the next one. And if you're doing crowd work, it's different because you have such a much larger area. He's like, so your timing, everything's different from like, if you're playing yuck yucks on Arden, you know, like the little, like, you know, the, the punchline, if you're playing a punchline, your timing and the way you tell jokes and the way you work a set is completely different from Golden One Center. And he's like, and you've got to learn that. Right. And he's like, that's not something you learn overnight. <laughs> it only comes with practice. Hey, I'll tell you this. Yeah, yeah. And hey, we've talked about this before. Oh, yeah, on some levels, right? I am not a professional comedian. I, you're not? No. Get the fuck out it's of true. here. It's you're true. You're not getting paid? Mm -mm. Right. Um, damn well damn but I'm a funny guy right I'll, I'll attest to that and, I'll testify to that and 
We talked about it. I, I, one of my goals at one point was like, I want to try stand-up. Season maybe. one of the 209 Till Infinity podcast, if you go back and listen to our New Year's goals, Scott wanted to get up. His One of his goals was to get up on an open mic and tell jokes. Yeah, that didn't happen. Club. Um, but, it, you know, maybe I'd have been good at it. I don't know. But I can tell you this. From being just a overall general funny guy and a guy right. that knows how to work a room and things yeah. like that, like... I don't know how to explain it. It's just something that is. I don't know if it's something that I've learned over the years. I've seen other people do it. Like I can do things and I pick up on things and I'm quick and I'm quick witted and things right. pop in my head. Sure. And timing and all of that stuff just is natural to me. Right. So for people like that, I don't. You said, I don't know. How do they do that? How do they know? Like it's who they are. Sure. Yeah, you know? he's done it for so many years. He's 50, so right. he's probably been doing stand-up since he was in his 20s. Right. And yeah. so, you know, you, it, it's just we are who we are, and we all have certain talents, and we're, 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 we are where we're supposed to be. Right. But, like, I think about that all the time, dude. Like, I've talked to you about how, like, when I, I love – I would love to make music, but, like, sometimes writing is really hard Sure. for me, right? And then you look at guys – I was thinking about this the other day, right? I was listening to – yellow wolf on a song with alexander king from you know how many songs have these guys written right yeah they're just easy yeah 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 right tupac had like uh, listen 250 500 songs that were never released he's got as many albums after his death as he does prior to if i'm not mistaken he's posthumous releases are as many as the albums he at least has four albums that were released after he died and i think he's got four leading up to his death right that tells you the dude's lived in the studio so you know guys like that like that's natural to them yeah right right so uh, it's 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 one of those things where like when you're good at what you do it's easy Right, yeah. it should be easy. Yeah, once you put in the time, the effort, and the grind, and like, the hard work. And he t- and he said it last night. He, like he went off script like three or four times. I believe it. Yeah, and he's like, I, he's like, no joke. He's like laughing, like he, like legitimately lost it yeah. when he did something. He's like, I just made that shit up. <laughs> like I just did that. <laughs> I just freestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. you know, and and because of the because of what was given to him by the crowd, by the whoever's there, whatever They'll happened, whatever that. that person says. I watched Chris Rock at the Golden One Center, and then I watched him do the same, a lot of the same material on his live Netflix special, and he fucked up. And it's gonna happen, you know, like, but he fucked up, and he said, I fucked that up, I'm gonna start it over, and he just said it again, and then they edited the fuck up out later. But yeah, I mean, he'd probably been doing that joke for the last seven months, you know, or wherever he was on tour. And he fucked it up that night. It's going to happen. You know, even the best laid plans and the most professional people fuck up. But I was going to ask you, I saw you sent me like a little screenshot from the show. Did they not lock your phone up? No. So they didn't, they didn't lock the phone um, and they didn't take them away from you. Uh-huh. Um, but they had like literally like 200 security guards like on the floor. And okay. like up and down the aisles, like just pacing. And anytime somebody pulled out their phone, they'd be like, hey, no phones or they're going to take it. Yeah. Like nonstop. Yeah. Like, you couldn't even like take a picture. And they, like somebody be like, hey. Yeah. Okay. I got like I saw somebody was like looking at their phone is like, I don't know. Yeah. They look like a mom. She was looking at something. Yeah. And because her phone kept going off like multiple text messages or something. Right. And then like I saw the security guard be like. And she was like, it's a fucking text message. <laughs> Fuck yeah. out of here, my kids. Yeah. He's like, no video. All right, man. Yeah, well, that's the thing is once you've heard that joke, it's not like a hit song, right? They, you hear the joke once. Once you've heard the punchline, it's not the same. So right. I get why they locked the, at At Chappelle and Rock, they, locked, they had people who just stood there with little bags and they lock your phone up and they've got a special tool to unlock it and take it out afterwards. And I understand why. And I like it because I'm not paying attention to the phone. I'm actually enjoying the show. But uh, um, they made it a point to let you know, like, hey, listen, I just, it happens every show. He's like, but I'm telling you, if you gave him a different phone and you got another phone and you pull it out to record, it doesn't matter what you paid for the tickets. They'll make you leave. Right. They made it a point. Like, look, don't worry about it. Just enjoy the show. Put your phone away. And sure enough, man, I watched security escorting somebody out that had 
whipped out their phone and was trying to record the show. Like, cause I think everybody wanted to know what Chris Rock was going to say as, about Will Smith. Right. So I think a lot of people were like, really like trying to get it in, but I at least saw a security escorting two different people out and they made it a point. Like one, two, I'm just going to tell you now. And I know one of you is going to do it, but don't bring your phones out. They'll make you leave. No matter what you pay. And I know you paid a lot of money to be here. Just have a good time and enjoy it and don't get kicked out. And sure enough, man, a couple people were drug out by security. And But I understand that because, you know, when a musician plays a show, people want to hear the hits. But really, for a comedian, there's no busting out the greatest hits. Like, they want you to do new, fresh material that right. they haven't heard. Right. Well, if somebody blasted it all over Instagram and, and Facebook and YouTube... You've heard it. You're going to feel a bit gypped if you paid $150 for a ticket to hear a joke you've already heard. So right. I totally understand that. So I guess there's two ways of going about it. You have to have the same amount of security because you have to have somebody there handing you the bag and putting your phone in and locking it up. And then when you leave, they have to stand there with the tool and unlock each and every person's phone before you go. But they did that at when I saw Chris Rock in Oakland. They locked up the phones. And when I saw him in... Uh, when we saw my Golden One Center, they did the same thing. So I I was assuming. That so when they lock it up, do you get to keep your phone? You hold on to it in this bag, but you can't get to it. It's got, maybe if you had a knife or some shit, but they're going to, you know, you're not going to bring a knife into the Golden One Center. You could cut it open, I guess. But yeah, no, you, you hold on to your phone in this bag, but you can't access it. Right. Yeah. If for some reason you do get it out and they see you, you're getting tossed. Oh yeah, you're done. And if it, like, you know, I, I think what some people were doing was bringing another phone. So they'd be like, give me your phone and you put it in the bag, but maybe you got a burner phone or something or a second phone like to record with. And I think the people that kicked out, that's probably what it was that they gave them some other phone, some bullshit phone. Like, oh, this is my old iPhone three. Yeah, take it, lock it up. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, overall, had a great time. Nice. It was really fun. Uh, it's uh, it's something that I'm, I'm certainly glad I did. Um, Live comedy is the best. I love it. He, he he did say that he uh, he announced last night. He said that he hasn't announced it because he just got the news on Friday that Netflix has already greenlit him for two more specials. Nice. And he's like, I don't know where we are going to record, yeah. but I can tell you that Sacramento is on the short list. Nice. Any place that immediately sells out, and I can put another you know another yeah. date on the next day and it immediately starts selling is a place that i know that you know would give me the energy hell yeah dude and, and I, I would imagine i wouldn't be surprised to learn that a good majority of the people that were at your show last night are back there again tonight right i would i would be shocked if there wasn't a small percentage of people that were like I'm a Koi fan. I don't know when he's going to return. Going again. I'm going again. If you got the money and, right. and he's funny as hell, especially if he's freestyling and playing with the audience, why not? Right. Live comedy, dude, even when it's somebody you haven't heard of. I've been to so many Laughs Unlimited and the punchline. And it's like, ladies and gentlemen, from give it up from Seattle, you know, Jimmy Johnson or whatever, Bob Smith. Like, I never heard of this dude, but he makes me laugh. And it's just so fun to watch a good comedian in their element and just riffing because I just respect it so much. So going to the comedy club, it's like 20, 30 bucks a ticket and then you, you, you see two or three comedians and you have something to eat, you have something to drink. It's a really great way to be entertained for a few hours and it's fun. And then when you see legends like Chris Rock or Joe Coy or Dave Chappelle on the big screen and the big stage, it's just, you're watching icons put in work, dude. And it's it's phenomenal, man. I, I absolutely love it, dude. I, I wish, I, I want to get to more live comedy. Well, I can tell you this, man. Um, going forward, here's yeah. a couple things you can look forward to. Okay. As I, as I previously mentioned, I'm about to go on vacation. Yes, you are. To Hawaii. Hawaii, yes, sir. Aloha. Yes. Uh, and uh, that'll be something that i talk about yep y you never know there's always going to be some fun stuff uh when, stories yeah stories speaking of which and one story i didn't get to we're going to definitely circle back to is i have a really funny uh travel story from when i went to seattle i was going to bring oh it up that's and, right and, you did mention that to me so, so that I'm, I'm putting that on record i'm going to okay. talk about that and next time we record we're going to do the comedian draft. That's right. We start, you know, we got into the Oakland A's tonight and dove a little bit deeper into the Joe Coy show. So we'll do our, our top five comedian draft next week. So 
What we can look forward to is the next week is your travel work Seattle story. Some stories from your trip to Hawaii. Hawaii. Which island are you uh, going we're to? Going, uh, we're going to Oahu. Oahu. Okay. Uh, yeah. The uh, the young young bit, aka little bit, aka my younger brother Brian. Yes. Lives there. Yes, that's right. So a little. Uh, that's right. A little brother time, a little nephew time, right? A little, a little family time. Okay, so um, we can look forward to a Seattle work travel story. Yeah. Stories from your trip to Oahu. The Seattle and, story is so funny. Oh, dude, dude I can't wait because I don't even know. I haven't even heard this off mic yet. And then we are going to do our top five comedian draft. And something else to look forward to is our review. A little bit delayed, but it is coming. Our review of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And did you ever see, you know, one we didn't dig in on air. Did you ever get to air? Nope. Okay, that was phenomenal. If you managed to get that in, if not. But yeah, definitely Guardians of the Galaxy 3 for sure we'll be talking about. You've officially, you're officially on the clock. You got three weeks to go watch that movie. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to hear Well, actually, when you split. hear this, yeah. you'll have had three weeks. Right, correct. When you hear this, you have one week to watch it. It's confusing, but yes, yeah. yeah exactly. Depending on which timeline you're in. Right, correct. So, lots to talk about. Lots more episodes to come. We appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much. Savage, anything else to add before I get us on up out of here? Um, safe travels to me. Yes, enjoy your trip, my friend. Can't uh, wait to hear the first stories. First time I've been on a real vacation in a, in a while. Yeah. The last few years have been crazy. Yes, they have. And uh, the first time I've taken a, a real vacation from my, my new job. So yes. Where that's, that's actually like, I'm, I'm going to be gone for that's seven right. plus days. There you go. Turn the phone off, not worry about work, Ooh. don't give a shit. Lock your phone up. You want, you want, I tell you what, I'll come along and be the guy who just locks your phone up and keeps it in the bag. And does not allow you to unlock it till your end of the trip. You just have to foot the bill for me. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> Sounds great. I'm, I'm going to keep you in check and help you enjoy your vacation, man. And not all heroes to, wear capes, Bill. You get to have me around. Not I'm all gonna, heroes wear that's capes. That's right. That's right. I'm just trying to get to Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii. Hawaii. Uh, yeah, man. So uh, you ready for me to get yeah, us get on us up out of here, then? My guy. All right. In the immortal words of my man, George Clinton, anything good is nasty, but it is not good unless you play with it. So go out there and have some fun, my people. And until the next time, we'll see you in the 209. Aloha. Peace.